Thanks for listening to the Replatform podcast sponsored by Tracton Hypersonics and hosted by me, James Gerd, and my co-host Paul Rogers. And a warm welcome uh, if it's your first time. And thanks to our regular listeners that we put a lot of effort into creating this content and bringing it to you completely free of charge. Help us keep it that way. Uh, you know, share the episode, post it on the social media profiles, uh, tell other people in your network about it who you think might be interested. Uh, please help us uh, get as many listeners as possible. Um, and also, we'd love a rating on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen or watch. It helps boost visibility. It helps bring new people to podcasts. So thanks, and we hope you enjoy the latest episode. So let me quickly set up for introducing our guests. Our topic today is on front commerce's PWA front end for e-commerce, looking at market fit. Um, yeah, the reason for this is like businesses are grappling with the relevance and impact of evolving technology stacks to deliver greater flexibility, faster speed to market, um, get a bit of efficiency rather than waiting on you know um, standard long deployment times you get on legacy systems. Headless and composable dominate marketing speak. They're everywhere. Um, you know, there's a lot of interesting and positive speak about it. There's also a lot of information out there which which kind of clouds matter. So what we're trying to do is have episodes that help you better understand where different technology fits in the type of business it's suitable for. Because with great flexibility comes great responsibility. And you know, true going fully headless, fully composable doesn't suit every business. And you sometimes need to change your business model uh, in order to suit those technologies. So today we've got a really, really interesting guest. Um, and we're speaking to a front-end specialist. What we're going to cover is what is front uh, commerce's front-end solution for e-commerce? What type of business does uh, headless front-end suit and why? Uh, and going into some of the product features, roadmap, and integrations. So first, a warm welcome to, to Christian, who is a strategic partnerships development manager. Hi, Christian. How are you? Hi, James. I'm doing great. Thanks. Um, thanks for the invitation. Um, so yeah, I'm in charge of partnership here at Funcomels. So my role is to help the agencies with whom we work um, to deliver the best possible front ends for their um, e-com customers. And I'm here with Care, uh, our CCO and our co-founder. Yeah. Hi, nice to meet you. Uh, so I'm Pierre in charge of everything technical uh, regarding all this tech aspect. So uh, the whole tech stack uh, about our front commerce product and our cloud also um, uh, deployment platform. And uh, also, of course, of, of the product. So uh, I, could, uh, I could answer some of the questions about the roadmap and how it fits uh, also for um, our existing customers and things like that. Right, and uh, I'll ask the first question then. So, Christian, uh, the first question is to you. Um, can we just start by talking about your kind of market positioning and if you can just summarize kind of what front commerce is, I guess, and the kind of scope that it typically fills for an e-commerce project? Well, yeah, sure, with pleasure. So, um, we're a software editor, uh, editor of a front-end as a service, which is a solution dedicated for um, e-com, B2B, and B2C. Um, what we do is we provide foundations to build, um, agnostic front end. So agnostic from the back end e-com engine, and you can plug it into any e-com stack on the market, um, allowing to benefit like a modern and innovative offering to craft your online customer experience. Um, so it's really kind of, um, a new market, a very innovative offering. And what makes us unique right now in this market of a front-end as a service, um, mainly three points. First, we will guarantee that all the back-end features that are exposed in API are connected with our solution. 
even if this means ensuring updates of our solution when the backend is being updated by its provider. Um, the second point is our teams will support our partner developers um, when it comes to web performance, best practices, and code review regarding um, the front end. So really what um, is linked to web performance um, to ensure that our React and GraphQL developments are done in order to achieve the best possible results. So this means we're also going to um, provide support, sorry, to the developers of our partners that are putting in place our solution. And we will review even the code that has been overlaid on our solution uh, to ensure that we respect these best practices regarding web performance and the languages that we use. Uh, mainly React. <clears throat> the third part um, is that we will guarantee that our customers are able to change their backends um, whenever they want to, when the timer is right. And this is subject uh, a subject we're going to go through a bit later on to dig into, is what we call um, progressive migration. In a nutshell, it means that an um, e-merchant can change his front end with our solution without touching the back end and go on the path of composable commerce. And at the end of the journey, um, he can change his back end without too much uh, impact on the front end because we are agnostic of the back end solution. Well, I think we'll come back to that. Um, so our solution allows Browns to go for composable commerce much faster than if they had to change all their econ stack. Uh, we just cut the head of the platform, the website, allowing them to go headless in three to five months. And, um, and headless is really the first step to composable commerce. Attract, your complete product discovery growth engine. Create relevant shopping experiences that convert into sales and grow online revenue with personalized search, merchandising, and recommendation solutions powered by AI. Find out more at attract.com. Great. And um, I guess following on from that, so sticking with you, Christian, so as James alluded to, I think headless and composable nowadays is quite a you know broad area, fairly vague. Um, you know, there's lots of approaches, a lot of the kind of vendors involved have different scopes and it sounds like your scope is quite broad uh, overall. So can you just talk us through what a typical tech stack looks like when you're using Funk Commerce? So what other um, kind of solutions are involved, be that CMS, obviously an e-com platform, yeah, any other kind of vendors that would be involved? Well, sure. Um, we're we're going to be kind of in the, in the middle of all these solutions um, that allow to provide the best possible hyper-personalized service to the online customer. Um, so indeed, we are agnostic. We can potentially be plugged on any best-of-breed um, tech solution out there or tech stack, which are streets. Uh, nevertheless, uh, we are witnessing right now um, demand on customers that have acquired um, Adobe Commerce, SFCC, or SAP Hybris. Um, these customers are lacking flexibility and agility when it comes to connecting new channels to their econ stack. Um, and when you know that headless, a headless approach will increase your time to market by an average of 80%, 
Um, there's no wonder these brands are digging into the subject right now. So apart from these e-com engine stacks, we connect um, indeed with major CMSs such as Contentful or Prismic um, or search services such as Algolia, uh, B2B solutions such as um, OroCommerce, for example. And we also support several payment providers, obviously, like um, Adian, Stripe, PayPal. There's so many out there. Um, we believe that the most mature solution when it comes to um, um, going headless in the past years, we've seen a lot of demand on Magento and Adobe customers. And yeah, as I mentioned right now, we're seeing an increase in demand on these, what we call monolith solutions um, that are well known, such as SFCC or SAP Hybris. And um, I know, you, um, Christian, you touched on the 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 uh, the front of a bit of React. Pierre, could you talk us through in a bit more depth? What what is the tech stack that front sits on? And and I guess the question most people are going to be interested in is 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 why have you built this way? What are the benefits to the merchant of of, of having this tank in terms of like performance, speed, etc.? Uh, as Christian mentioned, uh, basically we're the head of headless commerce and we've built a platform for front-end developers to build a front-end that's the only entry point into this uh, composable commerce best of breed solutions so uh, naturally we chose the javascript ecosystem for that because that was what front-end developers knew uh, more about and we felt it was more natural so we we went with a react uh, as our front-end library uh, for building component-based UIs, which is, a, and front commerce is uh, a React single-page application that's also server-side rendered. So for that, we have a Node.js server and all the data goes through a unified GraphQL uh, server, which basically will uh, be composed of every different solutions in the backend um, and will uh, have a unified access to the data. Uh, for a standard e-commerce application. That means that a front commerce application is a JavaScript application with front commerce as a dependency. Uh, more on that later, but we're uh, currently in the process of delivering a new uh, version of front commerce based on Remix, the Remix JavaScript uh, framework. Uh, so basically, this is a standard application and front commerce is a dependency. Then you register front commerce extensions uh, in your application based on the services that you want. So for instance, if you are, uh, if you have an Adobe Commerce B2B uh, backend that you want to expose uh, and use as a headless application, you will enable our Adobe Commerce B2B extension that we maintain and we provide over time. Then you will mix uh, with the Algolia search uh, extension or the Prismic extension, and then you have uh, a front-end that is able to display on the same page data from Adobe, Algolia, and Prismic. And all of that uh, really uh, seamlessly for uh, the front-end developers because they're creating React components, interacting uh, a single graph of all this data, no matter where the data comes from. That's how we can also do uh, replatforming in the future. So we, we do have all those extensions also for uh, alien payment, for instance, if you use that, Google Analytics for tracking, and you have a fully 
uh, application that you can start customizing. Um, as I mentioned, uh, we do provide React components, and even more than that, we're, we're, when you start FrontCommerce project, you have a fully working theme, an e-commerce theme, that is based on the atomic design principle. So from all of that, you start from a starting point and you start customizing depending on your custom features. Excellent. Because actually, did the, the point you made about the connectors, we've got mm -hmm. right at the end of our roadmap and where you're headed. We'll come back to that because that's quite an interesting thing. So there are a lot, a lot of the merchants I work with, the thing they're most keen about when they're looking to replatforming is, you know, they have two or three solutions they don't want to change. And having, I know native connectors aren't the be all end all, but they do help people kind of feel a bit more reassured. Um, but so, uh, Christian, coming back to you, actually. And we, we talked about this before we, we started the recording that for, for in the SME space, specifically not an enterprise, like the prospect of like headless and composable just scares people off because they, it sounds impossible, but headless as well can be off putting because people think it's just too much technical complexity, escalating costs, like they can't do it if they don't have a big engineering team. So what I'd love you, can you explain to people like what type, size type of business fits best with your solution? You know, uh, is it about. Um, revenue size? Is it about technical in-house capability? Well, yeah, sure. Well, we have like three verticals right now. Um, retail, luxury brands, and B2B. Uh, generally, the starting point for our, what we call our ICP, ideal customer um, project, would be, um, sorry, around 5 million um, online GMV. Uh, what we're looking at is um, brands that actually already have an e-com business, but we also have exceptions because we all see, also see industries and B2B that are just launching their e-com strategy with a lot of investment and, and high, um, high goals to achieve online. So they want to have the best possible uh, e-com stack from the beginning, and they're not yet doing anything online. But... The majority of our customers uh, generally have a GMV online around 5 million. <clears throat> and this meaning that they want to go like an extra step uh, when it comes to flexibility for their business teams in order to um, test and learn for their online customer experiences. Um, we're kind of in a, in a world right now where we have to adapt quickly and um, surprise online customers with um, exceptional emotions, good emotions, good vibes, um, in order to not frustrate them. Um, and this is what we're going to be able to achieve with a solution that is dedicated to um, web performance and a faster time to market in order to test and learn um, business ideas, <laughs> I would say. Um, so no specific Ready sector, I would say more uh, GMV minimum online right now, because, and we might come back to this later, we have an economic model where we invoice a license to the final customer. And he has um, the help, of course, of his agency. 95% of our customers have an agency, a partner with whom they work, that actually um, builds the front end with the customer and we'll maintain it over time and maybe bring best of breed bricks in this composable approach. As you mentioned, the first step for composable that can be a bit scary 
um, is the headless approach, separating the front from the back in order to separate everything actually, because we can separate the teams that are working on both subjects. We can separate the timeline of the projects. We can separate um, the IT language between the two subjects back and front because everything is linked in APIs. So indeed, <clears throat> composable um, isn't for everybody out there. Um, nevertheless, we're actually working on different features that will um, be able to retrieve complexity on the subject of composable. Um, one of the examples is the fact of having multiple service, multiple providers for your e-com stack might bring complexity in analyzing if one of them isn't um, respecting his SLA, for example. As we're in the middle of all this, because we take all the information from the back end, we take all the entry points, uh, we have features that will um, able um, to monitor actually um, each solution that is in the back end to understand if one is not working as it should be. So, yeah, we're moving forward on this path to ensure the final customers that they will have a solution uh, that will not bring more doubts or um, fear in order to adopt this best-of-breed composable approach um, for their e-com stack. Um, we might also add in that the fact that brands that come to us, also brands <clears throat> that are willing to have multiple websites, multiple front ends with only one um, back end solution. So it's kind of a it's kind of a machine to build multiple um, front ends. And also um, for companies that are in B2B, we have an example. We just signed one recent customer that's uh, doing around 200 million online. And uh, he has a multi-market um, um, distribution model. So, uh, yeah, we can be a good choice in, in that kind of uh, configuration also when you're really global and you have maybe dedicated um, front ends per country, for example. Hypersonics helps e-commerce companies make more profit every day. This AI-driven platform delivers recommendations for pricing and inventory that lead to bigger profits. Visit hypersonics.ai forward slash podcast to get a free trial. And, and um, one thing I was just going to comment on as well, so in the background while you were talking, I was just looking at um, your website and I noticed you work at DVLA. Um, which is a brand that I worked with years ago when I was at GPMD. And um, I was just going to call it out. That's a really nice implementation where you've got, it's rapid, but there's like loads and loads of rich content, which seems to be managed really well. So um, yeah, I thought I'd call that out um, quickly. Um, so on to the next question. So you have a native theme, which presumably is designed to speed up deployment and you know, get people operating on front commerce faster. Can you just summarize what's included within that in terms of the core templates and then also things like the native checkout, filtering, all of that kind of stuff? Yeah, sure. Um, indeed, the, the main goal of front commerce, and this is our uh, value proposition to, uh, to developers and to merchants, is that we 
do provide all the native features available on each platform. So if you choose, for instance, uh, Adobe Commerce B2B because you want to you you want to run your B2B business with that, and you want I don't know Algoria because you you really want uh, um, to to provide a, a personalized search with good insights and good suggestions to your customers, then in front commerce you will have that by default, and um, basically uh, our theme uh, reflects that. That means that in our theme you will have of course a, a PLP. Uh, PDP card page, uh, wish list, uh, B2B company management, for instance, a full checkout with uh, uh, the, the best uh, way to integrate uh, each payment method. So for instance, if you have some wallet payments, you will be able to, to have that when you use our ADN connector, uh, you know, all those features for each platform. Really, we, we do that by default. So that means that when you start your front commerce project, you will uh, customize what's existing uh, based on exactly the experience that you want to build and to end with. So if you want to have a fully different uh, user journey, you, you will be able to override every pages, but still reuse internal components. Um, so we do have UI components that are um, um, that could be reused almost everywhere, but we do have all those base templates which is a standard uh, commerce application that yeah, that you yeah that that you can see almost everywhere, and then by customizing what really makes sense for your projects and uh, adding those extra uh, features that is specific to uh, the way this merchant sells to his customer, then that's how uh, we we aim at um, accelerating projects because you will only. Uh, focus on what's needed and you won't have to redevelop the, the password forgotten process, for instance, uh, and still benefit from everything that you have in your uh, platform. Because most of the time, uh, existing solutions only cover the main features or the common features of each platform. And if you want to uh, to use a very specific configuration uh, that BigCommerce has and not Adobe, for instance, then you will have to do it yourself. And it's the agency that will have to maintain it over time and also uh, additional costs for the merchants. So that's why we really take care of all these um, these basic features for integrators. And I think a question that I always come up against when, when um, businesses who aren't using like headless setups and aren't used to this approach is like, what what internal resource study, what development skills do we need rather than, you know, from a providing or, or an agent. I'd love to hear, Pierre, like, can you talk us through, my understanding is you don't, you won't need a full stack developer because you're handling all of the backend API and integration work and um, with all the third parties. Um, so what, what are your recommendations? You know, what resources should an e-commerce business have in-house to make working with front commerce the most you know, positive and productive experience? Yeah. Again, here, it really depends on the context of uh, existing teams for the merchants or agencies um, and also the solutions that you choose. Because, for instance, if you're using BigCommerce or uh, Adobe uh, with a custom development, you will, uh, like in, in, in BigCommerce, you will not be able to add additional APIs while in Adobe, you will have to do that. So. Depending on that, the teams sometimes will have backend developers that could remain at exposing APIs. Uh, 
but then you need to build the team that work on the front end of your headless. And for that, as I mentioned, uh, we really try to uh, to be JavaScript focused because uh, we want to address front end developers. So mostly teams building front commerce projects will be front uh, will be front end developers. Um, so for that, um, we we are based on React. So obviously it's a uh, must have to know uh, React and how to build JavaScript front end uh, component based. Uh, we use plain uh, CSS with SAS for the styling. Um, so basically, all the, the, the web developer uh, stack, usual stack, is needed and will allow to, to create uh, and to customize this front-end theme. But then there is the, the other part that I mentioned earlier about how to access the data, uh, no matter where they come and from different systems. So for that, we have a single backend for front-end, which uses GraphQL and um, Node.js. Uh, again, it's JavaScript. So what we've seen is that for querying those data and tweaking them, front-end developers uh, are skilled enough to do that. And there is a small maybe uh, entry cost of discovering uh, GraphQL, for instance, if you don't know that. But it's quite um, quite... Uh, easy to, to learn. Uh, however, if you really want to mix and match data into this GraphQL schema, then this is where uh, you have more uh, of, um, of a backend mindset to have because here we'll deal, we're dealing with uh, fetching data from APIs with authentication, session, uh, caching, and things like that. But you, you will never have to create a database. Uh, so Front-end developers, what we what we saw from experience is that the team to run a project built with front commerce can be composed of front-end developers that knows how to deal with API and to do this uh, uh, this calls. Um, but sometimes you may need uh, some backend developers for the initial builds, and they will be mostly focused on the GraphQL part. And that's where also you can have an agency or a, a team. Uh, specialized into these kind of projects to help you deliver faster if it's new for your business, and that's a good accelerator. And then you can maintain it um, on track over time. And do you, do you have any uh, clients where they don't have any in-house development at all, and it's all done by the agency? Then so they're letting every they're letting the agency maintain front. Yeah, we we do have uh, very different uh, kind of. Uh, contexts. Uh, so, for for instance, we do have teams. Uh, you mentioned the Vialet, uh, but basically they had uh, front end developers in house, and they have an agency that handles the uh, Magento uh, backend. Uh, and in between, sometimes they help with this GraphQL part. But initially, they made most of that, and now they're mostly autonomous. But there are other teams that only have uh, indeed. Uh, agencies that can also provide more work uh, regarding UX or UI development also, and um, that can also provide some uh, guidance regarding composable commerce. And uh, at some point, you also need, uh, like merchants, needs also to to be um, helped and to to have advices regarding where to put each information. Like, do do I have uh, this in my uh, big commerce application, or should I use it in in Contentful, uh, or should should I use Algolia to to save everything and fetch everything from Algolia, for instance? So 
So it really depends on the context and, and having a team uh, and that, that has this, uh, this full uh, view can really help. So it really depends again on the projects and the timeline also, because there is the initial build and the run after that. Christian, you mentioned it earlier about progressive migration, and um, it's something that, that I see more and more important in the phasing of projects where people have uh, legacy stacks, which are going to take time to unplug, or they might have a dependency on the e-commerce platform with another project like an ERP, and therefore they can't do everything at once, but they have a business limitation in terms of like yeah, speed to market or content management tooling, and the business wants to accelerate that part of the project. So can you talk people through about, about you know, I guess for those of you who haven't come across it before, what progressive migration means, but also how you're seeing people uh, adopt this approach when, when working with Front? Um, yeah, to put it briefly, um, in, in the old days, um, when you had an e-commerce stack, you built your front end either in custom, maybe with a template, um, but our customers generally went for custom front ends. You build it, works well, and then throughout the years, you're going to add custom developments because you're adding ad features, you're going to um, do evolution on your e-com stack, and you're going to um, accumulate um, technical debt. This technical debt after five, seven years maybe, um, it's totally going to block your business and marketing teams because when you're going to want to do something new um, in terms of customer experience or you, UX, um, well, <clears throat> most generally your dev teams uh, will say, well, this is actually too complicated. We don't really want to touch what's uh, in there because we don't really know what the impact is actually going to be if we touch this. Um, but we can do it maybe for the in three months and it will take maybe 10 days to do it. Um, and that, that is kind of an issue with, um, time to market requested right now and all the evolution and change we've had on the past years, um, in terms of customer expectation. So this is the limitation of legacy system, um, when confronted, confronted to business and marketing issues. Um, and this is the old way of doing it. You had your e-com stack. So what did you do? Well, after five, seven years, well, you changed everything and you put in a new modern stack and maybe built a new custom front end. Um, this, this, there's a new era now, which is actually what we call, um, progressive migration, meaning you can now, um, go for a change in your e-com stack bit by bit, parts by parts in order to mitigate risk in order to um, have kind of an agile approach in the change of your econ stack. <clears throat> so what we're seeing right now um, is legacy customers that are lacking flexibility that will say, okay, well, first step is actually to chop the head. So take off the website, the econ website, and put in a solution that is really dedicated to web performance and time to market. When we say web performance, we mean obviously well speed, but also traffic, bounce rate, conversion rate, everything that is actually linked to customer experience and business um, KPIs. So first step is to change the front. You put in a new front end that is agnostic, that has an API layer, 
and that will allow to connect um, best of breed solutions. So first step, you change the front end. This will probably take between three to five months uh, with a solution such as ours. Once you've done that, and what we see um, with the customers that take that path is they will generally change the search solution after having changed the front and having a new customer experience um, in terms of hyper-personalization. So then they'll change the search engine. Um, we have great traction right now on Algolia, for example. And the second step will probably be to change the CMS and bring in a best-of-breed CMS, um, maybe contentful. And this is how you go step-by-step step on micro-projects on um, dedicated um, functional parameters. Um, and this is how you actually secure your migration to a new modern stack. Because if we, if we rewind on the first step, which was chopping the head and putting the best-of-breed front-end, this, that takes three to five months, will impact positively your business. Uh, we mentioned Devialet. Um, we have three KPIs for Devialet. We have um, the traffic that increased by 25% uh, and the conversion rate um, that doubled in 16 weeks. That was the timeline of the project of changing the front end, 16 weeks. Um, and, and much better scores on a tool from Google, which is Lighthouse, uh, that will analyze the web performance of your uh, website in terms of speed. Um, so yeah, that's what we're seeing right now. And obviously it's less stress, less risk, less workforce, um, and having a, an impact very quickly on your business instead of waiting 18 to 24 months. And I, you know, um, um, investing a lot of money uh, to change your whole com e-com stack. So the, the cool part about it is that once you've changed your front, maybe put in a best of breed search, so that CMS, as I mentioned, you can actually change your backend if you want to, but you don't have to. And we have both cases with our customers. We have ones that keep their legacy backend and others that will go for really a 100% e-com headless stack with solutions on the back end um, that are a bit more modern, um, make it big commerce, uh, commerce tools, um, maybe Shopify, these kind of solutions. That, that makes sense. I think um, James and I are talking a little bit in the background. I think I've definitely uh, seen this trend, but I think where I've uh, mostly seen it is uh, businesses with big teams, uh, lots of stakeholders um, want to achieve a number of things. And then quite often they might address uh, a redesign with a goal of um, achieving some of their KPIs, um, completely overhaul the front end, maybe move to a headless front end stack. And then they'll come back to the back end because that's a bit more political, um, more change, you know, all of the integrations, everything else. Yeah, especially when ERPs are involved and the, the codependency between like the ERP and downstream systems like WMS with the e-commerce and I'm picking that for phase one launch and you suddenly see the operational people just cry at the thought of that. Uh, um, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, it also is a change in terms of uh, culture inside companies. So 
uh, having this progressive uh, migration can also help uh, going into uh, and adopting this new culture. And sometimes like when you have uh, omni-channel experiences, uh, you need also to, yeah, to, to have a, a buy-in from the, the physical store owners, for instance. And there is all of that that, that you need to, to change it. And technical solution isn't the only, the only thing to, to have in mind. We are technical people, so we, we are talking about that. But then there, there are a lot of other changes and politics to indeed uh, that, that might uh, come into play here. Yeah, exactly. And what I find interesting about this approach is I've had conversations with clients where I said, you're going to spend a bit more doing it this way, but you come back to your points about de-risking. You've got a timeline where you need to be live because the business can't execute against its go-to-market plans. You won't hit that if you wrap in all of the entire project deliverables into that phase in. You just won't get there. So you accept that actually you're, you're paying for the business efficiency with some extra spend to do that front end bit first. You'll have to come back and then when you move your e-commerce back and you've got to then do that integration piece, but that's fine. You've got, you've got more of the, um, uh, more of the structure set up and the business are already self-serving on the new, I can't, we were talking about this in the background, content management, I see all the time, people can't do stuff because things are hard coded or they've got the wrong tool in and therefore they have to wait and use developer time. So actually you think, well, if we can unpick that, our return on investment or our business cases that spend that we won't have to make over the next 12 months will co will cover the extra cost of doing that piece now. Yep, absolutely. Um, so, ne so my next question, um, so something that James mentioned and something that's cited on your website is, uh, and I think you've touched on it as well, um, is you've got a major project on with Remix at the moment and the goal is to improve uh, website uh, lighthouse scores and core web vitals. Um, can you just talk us through that project and what the kind of benefit is to your customers? Yeah, so uh, the, this uh, this project is uh, basically replacing uh, our core, uh, some core features that we've developed over time uh, with uh, Remix. So Remix is a JavaScript framework um, that allows to basically take care of everything that we call the, the middle stack of an application. So basically the, the client and server communication. Um, so whenever users come on the website, uh, Remix will take care of serving HTML to them. And then when the user will continue to navigate on the client, it will uh, take care of updating the React application based on uh, data fetch from JSON uh, API for the backend, okay? so. This is something that when we started FrontCommerce uh, eight years ago, nine years ago now, we're getting old, uh, such frameworks didn't exist. So now there, there is Next.js, which is uh, quite well known also in the in the React and the JavaScript uh, ecosystem, and Remix. So those are the main uh, frameworks out there. Um, and they now know how to do server-side rendering, routing, uh, tooling also to build application uh, for production in an optimized way and uh, providing a good developer experience. So by uh, replacing uh, our own implementation of that uh, with this framework, that will allow us to, uh, and for our customers, to focus on our uh, value proposal uh, being developing features and ensuring that all of that is performant by default and accessible by default. So. Uh, why does it improve performance? Uh, 
Over time, we've tried to, uh, of course, improve uh, and keep a good performance. But we're building a, a, a front uh, a front end a single page application that allows to provide a good user experience and user journey. Uh, but it has the drawback of having a uh, a big JavaScript payload. Uh, and in Core Web Vitals, this is now our main uh, bottleneck because uh, JavaScript needs to be parsed by the browser. And I won't go uh, much in depth, but even though we do server-side rendering, we have optimized uh, our bundle size and stuff. Now we are li uh, limited by core component into this JavaScript bundle. So what we're doing with this rewrite, uh, I mean, this, uh, this new version, using Remix is that uh, the communication to get data from the unified GraphQL schema will now happen on the server. This is the main difference. Instead of doing it from the front end that will query the GraphQL schema, we are querying uh, the native Remix APIs and on the server, we are doing these GraphQL uh, queries. Uh, it's a bit technical, so I won't go much in depth. But basically, that allows us to remove a full dependency, which is a, a GraphQL client from our the, from the JavaScript that we ship to the user, and that means that it, it reduces our bundle size, which increases and improves the core web vitals. Um, <clears throat> also, there are things that the Remix team made uh, I think better than what we did in our core. So there are a lot of optimization because we're using. Uh, Again, best of breed tools for each uh, each step. We have a lot of other improvements. Uh, I, I won't detail all of them now unless uh, you want to discuss it, uh, but I could discuss it for hours. But another uh, fundamental changes from this, this uh, new version is that Remix uh, is embracing web standards. So standards web API that right now are uh, supported by most of the the, the existing browsers, um, and they're providing some APIs on top of that, uh, that, that want to promote progressive enhancements. And that means that for, uh, editors like us, we don't have also to, to use several additional dependencies and we can just use the web as it was planned to do which again reduces the amount of JavaScript that we ship to the browser. And for the other ones, we use the Remix primitives uh, for that. So using the web also is a, a really nice trend that everybody uh, is doing because when we started front covers nine years ago, browser didn't have such rich, rich APIs also. So that's also uh, another part of this, uh, this new Remix version that allows to have better performance. Right. And um, next question. So one thing I really like when working with kind of tech uh, partners or vendors um, is when they have like a, a really strong service layer or kind of governance layer so that you could one, get the most out of the product and also just prevent, um, I guess, technical issues or poor implementation, et cetera. And I always use Akuva as a really good example of this. Now a Magento hosting company but they essentially kind of govern deployments and, you know, all of the code that's being written, et cetera. Um, and it sounds like you have a very similar thing. Can you explain how you do this um, and then how your team operates? Yeah, of course. Uh, as I mentioned, front commerce is only uh, aimed at enabling a teams to build those endless commerce projects. Uh, so we really see um, 
us as a, a techni the technical part uh, of a, a commerce project. Uh, but on top of that, there are uh, agencies or developers that we work to uh, develop features that the merchant needs based on what they know from their users. So everyone here has its responsibilities and our is uh, to help with the technical aspects, like you mentioned. So we try to do that with an initial uh, training for the developers and the teams to show uh, all the ways they can extend front commerce to achieve whatever they want. Uh, then we do we provide supports also uh, with a, a dedicated Slack channel when you build the project and we can do some meetings and uh, screen sharing to, to really uh, ensure that, again, they spend time on their uh, specific features and not on debugging things in JavaScript or in front commerce. So really that, that happens uh, all, all like that during the project. But of course, every project have deadlines, uh, merchants have budgets, so you need uh, to prioritize features, uh, bugs, or uh, deadlines also. So what we really want to do is before the project goes live, the initial build of that project is that we run an audit uh, on the, the whole website to ensure that first, uh, the project will um, don't have any issues regarding performance and uh, it will be able to handle all the traffic that the merchants expect uh, because that's the main, uh, of course, the main goal of any project because if it's beautiful, if it has all the features, but uh, you, can, you can't have uh, Android's customer uh, on Black Friday or thousands customers at, at that time, then it, it doesn't mean anything. Uh, so this is the first point. And then we are also starting to look into how uh, customization and extensions have been made into the project to ensure that it's maintainable over uh, time and on the long run. Because as we mentioned, investing in a new front end means that then you can start additional projects for uh, the rest of your stack. And what we want is that the front commerce project will outlast your uh, different backends. So then from this initial build, you will do some uh, iterations over time with new features, improvements. And basically, this audit is exactly that. We provide a list of the most priority uh, and most important points um, that needs to be really tackled before going live. And then all the other nice to have things that can be then scheduled during iterations after the initial go live. And our goal here is also with our cloud offering to, to provide automated tools to kind of do that regularly because, uh, of course, we 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 want to prone uh, iterative development. So an initial audit is only valid for a few months and we need to do that ideally every every year or every every few months to ensure that the, the project is best uh, and delivers the best quality on there. Christian, I've got a question for you um, on the commercial side. Was quite, we talked about this as well, quite interesting that, that there's so many, so many changes going on in the, the um, front-end landscape for e-commerce. Um, and I know you're working with commerce tools, but commerce tools are fantastic to have like a, a, a version of a front end for, um, I guess the mid market. I'd love to know why, why does front commerce see an opportunity in the commerce tools ecosystem? Um, sure. I think it's, um, it's the fact of having a really, uh, best of breed, uh, software editor on the front end aspect. Um, with modern and innovative 
backends or composable backend stacks that makes sense. Um, we have we, we have commerce tools that has bought a solution um, dedicated for front end. Nevertheless, from what I know, that's this solution today is only compatible with commerce tools. So we're not really on an agnostic solution. Um, we have the same kind of um, model with our Salesforce that launched their storefront um, composable solution. We have maybe PWA Studio that has been built by um, for Magento, Adobe. So kind of all these legacy actors, apart from Commerce Tools, um, have their own solution um, they're putting up for the front end. We we can say quite objectively that this is not really a headless approach when you have a front that is not agnostic from the back um, and maybe not allowing you to go for this progressive migration because if you change for the front end of a specific provider on the back, it might be complicated to change um, for another provider on your back. So you're not you're kind of going to be tangled a bit. Oh, and we like to believe that we have uh, probably the most mature solution out there um, when it comes to agnosticity and um, and the goals we're aiming for with our solution, um, meaning they have the best possible uh, front-end experience and flexibility provided to the merchant uh, with whom we work. And actually, this is kind of also in our model, our licensing model, uh, we're really a best-of-breed provider for front-end uh, solutions. So our aim is with performance. And we actually have three kind of customers in our vision. Um, we have developers for whom we have to allow them to gain time and have a smile when they're actually working on our solution. Um, we have the final customer that is online and has to have um, no friction, seamless experience, and be surprised actually with the capabilities that can be offered by this technology when building hyper-personalized uh, journey. And we finally have obviously the merchant uh, that has business goals and business um, aims for this. So everything we do is actually servicing these three kind of customers. Um, for example, in our model, our economic model, um, everything that serves these customers is included in our license. Um, so we will have a hosted solution. It's auto-scaled. We can bring in CDN if necessary. Um, all these are architecture IT aspects that are at the service of web performance. But we will also ensure that when there is upgrades from the back end, these upgrades will be done on our solution, allowing the developers of our um, customers' agencies not to have to discover this and, and rebuild stuff because the upgrades are insured by Frontcolors. And this also allows us to guarantee and to engage and to be accountable uh, for the result of the perception you have when going through the front end of our customers. And so it links with the audit we do when once we did the build. And it links also with the fact that we weren't asked uh, the agencies with whom we work for with 
to um, actually um, develop anything when there is upgrade of the backend solution they're using. Great. And then um, I guess last question from me. So Pierre, um, I guess what else do you have coming over the next six to 12 months? Like, do you plan to kind of build out the ecosystem around front commerce? You know, are there more kind of things you're building into the service layer, more things you're building into the product? What else do you have coming? Yeah, of course, a lot of things. Uh, we're um, also a startup, so we're uh, adapting uh, fast also to our ecosystem. Right now, as I mentioned, we're uh, like, this is really this year, a uh, major um, goal for us is this uh, remixed version uh, that will be focused on WebPerf uh, and developer experience. So we are really here trying to improve uh, by changing this uh, this low-level stack, by improve the, the web performance for our merchants and the developer experience for people working with front commerce on a daily basis. So our goal here is to ensure not just that we ship this uh, version because we've already made most of the work here, but we want also to provide a good migration experience to our customers because uh, that's also maybe a difference between like tools that are... Uh, front-end uh, that, that are now embedded into uh, existing back-end solutions is that we do have plans for long-term future. It's not just front commerce, it's not just a starter that you start with and then you have to maintain over time. We do provide migration uh, for all of that. So our first customers that went live in, in 2018 will be able to migrate to this new Remix version and benefit from those web performance things. So we have a lot of tools uh, code modes, uh, documentation, and, and things to do here. Um, after that, and uh, in the meantime, we are also uh, working on nice features uh, for improving the contribution experience in a composable uh, commerce approach. Because when every data is stored uh, on different services, when you contribute content, we were uh, talking about uh, a culture shift here, uh, you need to kind of have a picture of where the information that you see on a page is uh, managed and who is responsible for this uh, data. So we do have nice uh, features uh, that allows to streamline this process of contributing new content and customizing the, the customer experience on that. Uh, also, as we mentioned, uh, we, we will have a new connector um, that not yet fully uh, decided yet uh, because we're adapting to also our market and what merchants will want. So it will really depends on uh, on the next uh, next monthies and the projects that uh, and yeah and the merchants that will come to us. Uh, but this is definitely planned. And also um, in the process of improving performance uh, for the merchants, we want with our cloud, front commerce cloud platform uh, that basically allows you to operate front commerce projects uh, in production, we want to support this performance culture. So for that, we will uh, create new tools uh, for uh, monitoring a website, uh, uh, this commerce website when it's live by knowing which are the services which are slow, uh, where you have performance issues. Uh, and also we want to provide insights about what to tackle next to really improve the user, the end user experience uh, to ensure that 
uh, teams can focus on what really matters and with a given uh, with restricted budgets or time frame, they could step by step improve continuously their front end. Uh, and finally, this is also something that we're really uh, looking into. Um, as, as you saw, uh, AI uh, came uh, a few months ago and really is disrupting our ecosystem. So we're really paying attention to that. And uh, for now, we're, we're aware about AI um, disrupting the developer experience when we author software and we build software with platforms like us. Like, uh, there used to be a lot of no-code applications, but right now with ChatGPT and all those new AI uh, assistants uh, coming into the game in your IDE, it's way more easier to just write code and generate it and adapt and iterate from that. So we are also going to embrace this change. And uh, so what, right now we are exploring that uh, and we'll definitely have some things in the next six to 12 months uh, around that for now. Yeah. Maybe also about uh, like just one, one thing that's not yet decided, but this is really like to show the vision of a, a front-end solution like us is that for now we're uh, providing a mobile um, friendly and performance front-end for users to purchase online, okay? But going headless means that if tomorrow uh, users check out differently and they uh, consume uh, online in a different manner with a different user experience, front commerce will allow to bring merchants there. So if tomorrow, I don't know, people will only uh, place order from a chat GPT plugin, then front commerce will provide the APIs allow you to turn your storefront into a chat GPT plugin or application. This is also the kind of things that we're going to explore. But right now the market, I mean, we're we're waiting a bit about uh, the, the market to, to stabilize uh, with that. But we're definitely doing a lot of watch on that. Yeah, me and Paul don't exist. We are chat GPT generated bots, so we're not real humans. Uh, the the uh, I'm fascinated by the the chat GPT thing at the moment. There's there's definitely an evangelical obsessive element of the industry that are trying to push it as the solution to everything. But but everyone has to look at where it might go, don't they? I mean, that's the reality. We've got to understand what the long term implications will be. But um, look, Pierre uh, Christian, thanks so much for joining us. Really enjoyed it. Um, we got a lot of information. Um, I'm, it was good to hear you talking about merits of progressive migration. I think it's an approach you're going to see more and more mid-market business. I know in enterprise that this approach with, with bigger project management teams has been there for a while, but I think more and more SMEs are going to actually understand the benefits of taking a, a, a more a phased approach. But, um, and also thanks everyone for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. Do reach out to, to, to Christian or Pierre, if you've got more questions or if you want to Talk to me in more depth around how front commerce could work in a particular a project. Um, and keeping her out for our next episode, we drop one every Tuesday. So thanks everybody. Enjoy the rest of your day. For more information on this topic, head over to replatform.fm for our audio podcasts. To discuss a project, or if you'd like to chat about any of the topics covered in this episode in more detail, please reach out to myself, James Gerd, or my co-host, Paul Rogers, via LinkedIn and Twitter. Thanks again for listening, and keep your ears peeled for the next episode.